Dear friends and colleagues, hello. This is Dr. Majid Chinikar with my dear colleague and friend, Dr. Ehsan Kalipur. We are wrapping up the PCR 2022 and we are very glad to be with you in this short summary of all very exciting papers and studies that presented this year in EuroPCR. We are devoting the majority of our time to the valvular issues because there are a lot of new information and updates about that and after that we are going for a summary for the coronary studies. First of all we are going to the mitra clip bridge strategy. The bridge strategy included 153 patients who were awaiting transplant but who had a low likelihood of receiving a new heart quickly. Means the group that bridged to transplant and another group of the bridge to candidacy. The third group was the bridge to decision. In this study that is an update of 2020 study showing that mitraclip should be an effective bridging strategy for advanced heart failure patients with secondary mitral regurgitation. And at that time, the study showed that more than 30% of patients to be safely bridged until a heart became available or their clinical status improved enough to become eligible for transplantation. In this study, after two years, the freedom from death, need for urgent heart transplantation or LVAT transplantation, and first hospitalization was 47%. Overall, 55% avoided a first hospital during this follow-up period, and the annual rate of heart failure hospitalization was 45.5% for those who received the device. Regarding clinical status at two years, near 20% of patients underwent elective transplantation and 12% were successfully bridged to eligibility where they were placed on the waiting list. Another 21% of patients no longer required a heart transplantation because of significant clinical improvement. We know that the rationale for bridge treatment is in advanced stages of heart failure with reduced ejection fraction where the volume overload and reduced stroke volume play a key role, a significant regurgitant volume might further increase left ventricular and diastolic pressure and impair stroke volume and that affects the patient's prognosis. With the mitral clip, we can interrupt this maladaptive process. Another study about the mitral clip is the mitral clip for using for the atrial functional MR or mitra tune. Atrial functional MR is a new subtype of secondary MR that has been introduced in recent 10 years. In patients with mitral regurgitation stemming from left atrial enlargement with atrial fibrillation but with preserved LV function and no leaflet degeneration, atrial functional MR differs from classic functional MR in that it occurs in patients with AF and or heart failure with preserved EF. In AF, we know that the left atrium can become stiff and fibrotic, which can cause severe dilation of left atrium. This results in dilation of annulus and impaired annular contractility. The prevalence of atrial functional MR is unknown, something between 3 to 15%, and it is associated with a higher risk of adverse outcomes compared with AF patients without functional MR. But current guidelines do not provide any recommendation on how to best treat this group of patients, and we know the pharmacological treatment 
is extremely limited in HFF patients. Even in the absence of AF, we know that HFF can result in atrial functional MR and it's a vicious cycle in which we have preserved ejection fraction, left atrial dilation with increased left atrial pressure and can cause electrical disorder. In this follow-up in 87 patients, the median age 81 years old, with mostly persistent or permanent AF and functional MR without the structural leaflet abnormalities and preserved LV function, Prior to procedure, two-thirds of patients were in the group of 4 plus MR, while 83% of patients had NEHA class 3 to 4 symptoms. At 30 days, the cumulative risk of all-cause mortality was 5%. After follow-up of 371 days, the vast majority of patients had an improvement in MR, and similarly, 61 patients means something like 80% were now in NIHA class 1 or 2 after a median follow-up of more than one year. Echo findings of left atrium mitral analysts also showed that the use of mitraclate was associated with significant positive remodeling. In a multivariate analysis, post-procedure MR more than 2 plus and mitral annular diameter more than 35 millimeter were both independent predictors of all-cause mortality and heart failure hospitalization. We know that this study was a retrospective and we need prospective study to confirm these results. The third article that we are talking about is TriClasp, repairing tricuspid with Pascal that too seems to be safe and efficient. In Pascal device, we know that in this device, the maneuverability and steerability of device is very, very good and we can put it inside the valve and we can retract that very safely and it's very reproducible. The second unique feature of this device that it can independently grasp the valve leaflets and to increase the likelihood of proper positioning. For the triclasp study, 74 patients, mean age 80 years, and near 60% female with primary functional 84% and 5% degenerative and mixed group 10% uh, with severe TR and near 100% atrial fibrillation patients. The device implantation was successful in 97% and the procedural and clinical success rate were each 78%. The mean number of devices 1.8 and patients stay in hospital for 5 days. Among 67 patients in whom 30-day follow-up were available, the total composite massive adverse event rate was 3%. Only one patient died 14 days after procedure after having a stroke with a massive bleeding event and another died of pneumonia at 40 days. Three patients were hospitalized for heart failure. Core lab assessment showed that a marked improvement in TR severity, that was meaningful, and 88% at least one grade improvement reduction in TR, additional NIHA class, 56% graded to be class 1 or 2 after 30 days, and the Kansas City cardiomyopathy cautionary and 6-minute walk distance improved in these patients. The result follows similar data that reported after device implantation, after the clearance of the commercial use in the Europe, a CMARC approval in Europe for the treatment of mitral regurgitation and announced in February 2019, 
and TR approval came in October 2020. And the follow-up for five years of this study is ongoing. We got the similar scenario to take place in the TR as was seen for the mitral regurgitation. And in the recent years, uh, they implanted a lot of clip for the indication for the tricuspid, even they, they haven't any confirmed data about that. And this is an unmet clinical need to study this group of patients. And other devices like the triclip, bright study that studied the triclip and triclip G4 for the H2H from the Abbott vascular. They presented for 200 cases for 30 days with the similar result. And also in another study, the CLASP TR study that they work in the New York and presented for the one-year data from this group that also presented in the American College of Cardiology in 2022 session last month. The results were very, very similar. And we are very happy to have new devices with new characteristics to be safe and feasible in this group of patient. And we can go for earlier and at in even less severe stages of the disease for the this challenging the issue of tricuspid regurgitation. After this, we are going with the TAVI and this debate that for the choosing between ballon expandable or self-expandable TAVI from the UK TAVI study. We know that severe structural valve degeneration or SVD affects nearly 6% of patients who received an early generation TAVI device. And we know that severe degeneration appears to be more common with ballon expandable than with the self-expandable devices. But there are a lot of pitfalls for the observational study and comparison between these devices are really, very really difficult. Obviously, there are limitations in the first generation valves, but we know that the fundamental differences between these two groups of the sapien for the ballon expandable and the core valve and self-expandable are the sapien are the are the annular uh, intraannular device and the core valve are the supraannular device and sapien are the ballon expandable and the core valve are self-expandable TAVI devices. The difference is still present in the current generation of the devices, but we know that some improvements we got during recent years. And we can think that the fundamental message is that the supraannular design appears to be a little bit better for a slower rate of degeneration. And the overall number may be lower in both new generation of these devices. In previous a snapshot of the UK TAVI for the 149 patients followed for a median of 5.8 years pointed to a slightly higher incidence of moderate SVD with roughly half of cases due to new regurgitation and 43% to re-stenosis. In this latest data for the longer follow-up and for the 221 adults who underwent TAVI at one, one of 11 centers in the United Kingdom between the 2007-2011, all patients undergoing for the echocardiograms post-procedure and comparing after five years and allowing the assessment of the SVD. During this study, the definition of the SVD was the mean gradient more than 40 millimeter mercury or more than 20 millimeter mercury increase from baseline or four meter per second peak velocity or more than two meter 
per second increase from baseline or severe or new or worsening intraprostatic aortic regurgitation. The median follow-up in this study was 7 years from 5 to 13 years. 43 patients become more than 10 years. And the result that we got from this study was the two-thirds of patients with the core valve treated and one-third with the Sapien or Sapien XT and transfemoral mostly near 80% and valve deployment successful in 97% of the patients. Over the extended follow-up, 5.9% of patients developed severe SVD after 8 years in post-heavy, 3 cases AR, 10 cases stenosis, and the higher proportion of patients treated with the balloon expandable versus those treated with the self-expandable. 12% versus 3.5% and the p-value was significant. We know that we are going to using TAVI in younger patients and there is a dilemma because we know that for the durability of the self-expandables, but we know for the TAVI in TAVI, we need to put firstly one balloon expendable because we can put another TAVI using a self-expendable in the balloon expendable. So this is a dilemma that using a self-expendable in elderly because that works for this group of the patient. And in the younger group, we can consider and take this advantage that for the need to repeat the procedure for the patient, but we can use the TAVI in TAVI with using a self-expendable in the balloon expendable and we have to think about that about the time we are thinking now about what's going to be the next valve uh, instead of that to think that what would be the best valve after this very exciting article about the TAVI and about the types of TAVI we are going to general valve trilogy and we know that uh, general valve trilogy was the first CE marked approval for the indication of the AR or aortic regurgitation, but not for the stenosis. And the initial results were positive for this device. And in the Align AR pivotal trial, they are currently recruiting patients for following up. In this study, 45 consecutive patients at high surgical risk for the AR operation at six German centers, they used the new device. And we know the TAVI in AR was something off-label usage of this device. In, uh, and we know that in aortic valve calcification is something that anchoring the TV devices. But in the AR group, there isn't enough calcification. But the new characteristic of general valve trilogy features that they are very unique locators that allow the valve to clip onto the native leaflets and also they're enabling anchoring in pure AR patient with non-calcified valves. We trilogy three locators clip to the aortic leaflets and then the instant frame clips to the locators gonna be connected in the valve between them and we can reach to 100% anchoring safe anchoring and device can be fixed and sealed in place when it's open and protects against valve migration and paravalvular leak. Uh, the time of the procedure is very short and it's a self-expandable and dual anchoring system, as I said, and thanks to the oversizing, we can improve our result and hemodynamics that would be very, very 
nice in this device and also this is a study that uh, they are treated the moderate to severe AR patient that are inoperable and very high risk group the safety and the result very very promising and the technical success was something less than 20 millimeter mercury gradient and reduction of AR more than one grade and achieving to the 100% of success rate in the procedure without any significant acute kidney injury or the major or life-threatening bleeding. The next point that I have emphasized for this the general valve that uh, we can use also this in both indication for the AR and AS and the AS patient the trilogy may prove useful for certain scenarios such as when the coronaries are very low implantation site and low lying coronary arteries because this anatomy there is a higher risk of occlusion of the ostia because the leaflets can be pushed out in front of the coronaries and this device may be a best solution for this group of the patients with AS also and it's a wider range of indication for using general valve and not only in AI patient but also in AS patients and the next valve study is the changes in the cardiac damage after AVR after two years and we know that aortic valve replacement when it's done late is not the solution of the problem and it's not reversing the damage. For this study researchers pulled near 2000 patients who underwent AVR in partner two and three trials and who had complete transthoracic echocardiogram data from the staging at baseline and risk was inoperable or extreme for 17 persons, intermediate for 54 percent and low for 28 percent and 60 persons were treated with TAVI and 40 with the sour and uh, for the classification a stage zero no damage six percent stage one LV damage only 15 percent stage two left atrial or mitral valve damage 51 percent and pulmonary vascular or tricuspid valve damage stage three 21 percent and stage four RV damage when comparing the risk at two year by baseline cardiac severity, all-cause mortality, and for the stage zero was 2.5% and stage three and stage four, 28%. And for the mortality and heart failure hospitalization, 4% for stage zero and 39% for stage three and stage four. Cardiac damage remained unchanged for 60% of patients and worsened 25% over the year following AVR and just 15% saw an improvement of this group of patients. Of patients in stage one, for example, 41% progressed to a higher stage and 7% died at one year. Of patients who started out in stage two, 25% saw worsening of cardiac damage and 15% died. This shift in the stage also were linked to two-year mortality such that patients whose damage improved saw a decrease in risk and those who damage worsened saw an increase in risk and the hazard issue was near two. Similar uh, patterns were seen for the death and heart failure hospitalization. We know that the independent predictors of a stage deterioration with hypertension and SAVOR that we know that with SAVOR the damage is more than TAVI and this is clear for us. According to this data, we learned that the watchful waiting for the patient to operating the patient later only works if you are actually be watchful. 
this staging system need to be prospectively studied and we know that this study was done in a very older age group mean age 81 years and cannot extrapolate this data to the younger patient this information is in works and the early tower finishes enrollment uh, six months ago and the progress recently began enrollment for patient and both trials are tracking cardiac damage and we learn also that we need to follow up the patients maximally every six months in the patients that are going to be symptomatic uh, after a stage zero and we know that it would be better for every three or four months and keeping in mind that this follow-up is not easily done in all communities and we know that we have a waiting list for the operation and we can consider everything and summing everything that to be considered for the timing of the operation and we need to intervene earlier before cardiac damage is present in this group of patients after finishing this uh, studies for the valve and that was very very exciting uh, going to uh, very brief for the coronaries and the first study that is very exciting is the rolex registry study with the zotralemus drug lifting stent and using a intracoronary imaging using iOS or OCT for optimizing the left main stenting and we learn that according to the cardiothoracic surgery association european uh, association of cardiothoracic surgery that they pulled their support for the left main recommendation in the esc guidelines uh, after the excel and right now the cabbage is class one for all anatomy and uh, for the syntax with lowest score up to 222 the class one indication and between the class between the syntax score 22 to 33 is the class 2a recommendation right now the esc recommend the class 2a for using ivos because in 50 percent we are going for the oversizing and reaching a new size and optimizing the instant size and the meta-analysis that the sebatine did in four major left main trials showed that when we are using all imaging and optimizing the stent size and using the greater and larger stents we are going to reach to a better results and they're showing that the shoulder to shoulder results and comparable data for the surgery and the pci robotic pci is safe or not the R evolution showed that is safe. This study designed in simple lesions and they excluded the lung lesion, very calcified, very tortuous. And the data showed that the, in the shorter duration of time with less amount of the contrast media and with the less amount of the X-ray exposure for the operator, we are going to do very best and get reaching to a very very promising results something that there are debates about that that uh, about our tactile feedback and how we are going to learn that to the machine to do that and also for the teaching the fellows uh, some experts saying that the, this is similar when you're sitting in the room and doing with the mouse and you are, you are doing the procedure and it's very similar when you are sitting in the control room and your fellow are going to do the procedure there are also some debate about how to train the fellows cardiac interventional fellows for the 
procedure and for some centers they are going to half and half for the hands-on and also for the robotic we need more registry to show the safety in even complex settings another study for the coronary shorter depth sufficient even in the complex hbr patients that the analysis for the master depth in the ultimaster group of uh, stent deployment even in the complex lesions and the one month compared to the longer duration of depth works for this group of patient and this is something that's not the policy in the u.s and very difficult to reach to this conclusion and we have also to consider that this is for this type of the stents that looks to be safe in this group of patients and you cannot extrapolate the data to all patients and we need to individualize all patients after one month and reach into conclusion for the HBR and using the complexity of lesions something like three vessel stent three vessels treated, three stents or more, and three or more lesions, bifurcation with two stents, total stent lens more than 60 millimeter, and CTO as the target vessel, as the complex, and we can take another group of the patient for the complex and think about that. Also, the last uh, coronary paper that we are covering in this episode is the fibromuscular dysplasia in SCAD, and thanks to the group that work in the Canada for the Canadian SCAD study, they are identifying 981 patients who underwent screening for FMD, fibromuscular dysplasia, and they showed that more than 50% were found to have fibromuscular dysplasia. And this group were older, lower body mass index, and they were likely to receive more hormone replacement therapy in this group of the ladies and more apt to have intracranial aneurysm and hypertension. And the question that arises here is, if we know we are going to screen three vascular territories for the uh, reaching to the conclusion and diagnosis of FMD going for the cerebral, extracranial, intracranial using the MR or CT angiography and also for the visceral, for the renal and for the visceral and for the coronaries. And uh, the question that arises here is uh, if we know that the patient uh, is a case of fibromuscularity, is there any change in our decision making as we know that the chance of their MACE and repeat MI is higher in this group of patients? Something that we can say is that if you prove that the patient is a fibromuscular dysplasia case, you can give some advice to prevent tear in the vascular territories, like identifying the patient, for example, in the cervical neck, telling the patient that do not participate in the high velocity impact sports or chiropractic neck manipulation, and also avoiding the hormones using in this group of patients. And these are the benefit of diagnose of the FMD in this group of high-risk patients that uh, uh, underdiagnosed many years ago and right now there are a lot of information and awareness of this situation. I hope you enjoyed this very rapid wrap-up of EuroPCR 2022 and be our guest in the next episode of CardioCast. Thank you very much.